Hey folks, Randy Newberg here. We are in rainy Bozeman, Montana today, and I have two wonderful guests who have decided to join me this Friday before Memorial Day weekend. And uh, we're going to talk about some really cool stuff. These are like mad scientist guys here of the, of the product, the, the, the clothing world. So a lot of you out on our Hunt Talk web forum ask all these questions about, well, I wonder how this happens. I wonder how that happens. Well, in the next hour or so, you're going to get to understand how really high quality performance clothing gets made from start to finish. But before we get into that, uh, I just want to quickly go through the, the wonderful people who make this podcast possible. Uh, GoHunt.com. Many of you hear about this insider uh, research service they have. It says, be your own hunting consultant. And it couldn't be more true. Uh, just a little testimonial to that, thanks to Utah issuing their draw re results the other day. Uh, there was a deer unit that I really didn't know that much about. And then I started reading about it in the Insider from Go Hunt. And don't be mad at me, but I drew the one non-resident archery mule deer <laughs> tag in that unit. Uh, but if you go to GoHunt.com, click on the Insider, and you sign up, there's a promo code from uh, <clears throat> that, that we use. It's HuntTalk, H-U-N-T-T-A-L-K. Uh, Hunt Talk is the promo code, and if you use that, you're going to get the new the uh, Gerber scalpel blade. Their vital knife is what it's called. That's a scalpel blade, replaceable blade knife. So, go to the GoHunt.com, click on Insider. If you sign up and use the promo code Hunt Talk, you're going to get a free Gerber vital knife. Uh, the other one, Orion Coolers. You know that uh, we had Damon on here not very long ago. Damon Bungard from from Orion. And, uh, well, I think I'd said on the last podcast that I lived out of those coolers for a week in Alaska just recently. And like always, they perform marvelously well. Go to OrionCoolers.com and there probably is bad ass of a cooler as you're going to get it. I think I can say that without getting in trouble. So, <laughs> I own the joint. It's your so podcast. I, yeah, I can say it. I want, right? Uh, and then the last one is, uh, Onyx Maps. The, many of you see how we hunt areas with a lot of public-private interface, and you see me running around with my GPS, and in there I have these chips uh, from Onyx Maps that give all the surface ownership. And their new product that they launched this year uh, is a new hunt app. If you go to onyxmaps.com and use the promo code RANDY, R-A-N-D-Y 16, uh, you're going to get 20% off that new app. So great folks, onyxmaps.com. And now, with that behind us, we're going to get into the, the substance of this. Uh, joining me today are John Barklow and Eric Gilmore from Sitka Gear. And uh, I'm, I'm just trying to think of how to properly introduce you guys. Because I, I'm sitting here, I'm like... Drum rolls, maybe? Something <laughs> like that. We, we tried red carpet out in the front of the building here, but... Uh, so that that just didn't seem right for guys who who I guess take ideas and convert them into reality and in the process do a lot of crazy stuff to get from idea to reality and for a little background John you are the big game product manager at Sitka is that correct that's correct yep and Eric you are the product developer at yep. Sitka correct yep. with the background in apparel design and okay. 
I, I did not know this till the other day when we were talking. There is such a thing as an apparel engineer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I had no idea. Four-year degree at many universities across the U.S. and overseas. It's a, it's a, um, a lot of people are doing A lot of people don't take it the way I've taken it, but they... Most of them are baristas at Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, now the Starbucks folks are going to email me. John. I love Starbucks. <laughs> they have very high quality baristas. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I'm a big fan of Dairy Queen, also. So I, <laughs> yeah. Now, now it looks like I'm going to be going to Starbucks and Dairy Queen looking for sponsorship. So, but you guys, I, in, in a, I, I'm trying to give the the listeners some context here. I went over to the Sitka office, which is here in Bozeman now. Um, you guys like that move from California to Bozeman? So neither of us were ever in California, so oh. we, we were we like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, their their uh, office is right next to a coffee shop I go to a lot, the Daily Coffee Bar. Man, I'm just plugging yeah. everybody. <laughs> just get it out of the way. Yeah, let's see. Maybe I, what else? I got Wrangler jeans on. I got some Merrill shoes. Man, I'm I could just be like one of those NASCAR billboards here pretty yeah. soon, but. Anyhow, I, I walk into the, I'll call it the, the laboratory, and I, I don't know if I dare say this. I'll begin, we might have to edit this part out. Um, but John hands me a clipboard that has a non-disclosure agreement <laughs> on it. I'm like, wow, is this like Fort Knox, or what's the deal here? It's my government so, background. You can never be too, uh, too careful. Tell, <laughs> tell me, okay, tell us about the government background, John. Well, I was in the Navy for 26 years, and worked around special operations community for 20 of that so we're we're we're, we're leery of shifty characters wandering into our spaces so <laughs> put you under an nda so we can at least throw you in jail if uh yeah and i, did, I i'm reading that i'm like well, you got all this crazy stuff on the walls and there's mannequins and things i'm like are they shooting people down there what the hell's going on everything and, probably but that yeah exactly yeah. so you guys are down there just is this like where all the ideas come from I, 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 that's where they, they kind of culminate, but they, I think a lot of the ideas happen outside hunting, outside doing hiking, climbing, skiing, doing whatever. Yeah. So tell me the, the audience is going to want to know. And I, and I've talked to you guys enough that I have a little idea, but through the course of this podcast, I want to talk about how does that something go from idea to reality and both in the terms of timeline and bumps in the road and what if it doesn't work out the way it was planned? I mean, and again, since I signed that NDA, John, I don't want to, <laughs> I'm not asking you to tell the audience here anything that's going to get me in trouble or any of you guys fired. But, uh, so uh, you guys are outdoors all the time. You guys know how the product or what a product does needs for the kind of things that hunters do. Where where right, is this? Where's this go? I think that's part of um, that's one of the things that makes what we do so good is you could hire people that are really talented in design or no textiles, but if they don't know the end use application and have what I like to call that intimate connection with the product and how it's going to be used, there's always something lost in translation, yeah. and so. You know, we may bring these skills to the table, but at the end of the day, we're hunters. Like, we're mountain athletes. We're out there. The people we surround ourselves 
are of the same mindset. We're constantly talking about it. I mean, the reality is I've probably been I've probably been training myself for this job since I was five years old. Right? <laughs> I mean, it's just what I've always loved to do, right? I mean, we're all gearheads and yep. we run around and if something doesn't work, we're you know, we Mo- we modify, modify and tweak it. Yep. And- so you got rather than be like me if something doesn't work or I want an idea, I pick up the phone or get on the computer and I email you guys. Right. Yeah. Say, hey, yeah. I got a question. You guys don't do that. You take it back into the shop and kind of trick it out. Is that for lack of a better term, thinking about guys in their snowmobiles here? Yeah. I mean, we we're we're constantly modifying products, updating products, thinking about something that we're is maybe in the line today and how we want to make it better uh, in a year from now because there's something we see or didn't see when we were designing a building. Not to say it's not gonna it doesn't function properly. But we see something else. It's like, huh? If I do this, it's gonna make that product even better. Yeah. And, we're and you guys just see what kind of comes out the end. Right. We get to see what comes out. Yeah. We get to see but the finished some, cake with the frosting. Yeah. There's on. some. Just just in the year and a half I've been there. I, I mean, I've tried some crazy things. Uh huh. And um, got them on some folks. We have some fantastic field testers. And yes. I just say, just try it with an open mind. Mm-hmm. And you know, throw something at the wall and see if it sticks. And sometimes it doesn't, but that's mm-hmm. also where the next great idea yeah. could potentially come from. So it's nice to have the freedom to do that as well. Yeah. So, so you nobody's are, down there kind of telling us we can or can't do something. They're just like, have yeah. at it boys and, and, and see what you come up with. Yeah. So no one says, all right, head down this path with this outcome. They're, they're not. No, no one's telling you. I that. think there's some of that in the beginning when we plan it, but it, it, there's no one, you know, keeping you. You have to do this this way so we can get this product to sell to this customer. We're we're building products for the pursuit. We're building products for an end use, and they're really tailored to to that end use. Okay, so what I see when I walked in there and you handed me that clipboard, I'm like. Holy crap, look at all this stuff here. It looks like it's in some sort of, yeah, I don't know what phase you would call it. I, it depends do, on the product. Okay, because yeah. when I left there, my mind was spinning. I'm like, I wanted to ask so many questions, <laughs> so, but I'm sure it was none of my business. So. Well, and so, and we talked about this the other day, but what a lot of people don't understand, and quite frankly, I didn't until I got into this business was, you know, our fall 16 products are going to be ready to buy on Tuesday. Yeah. Tuesday, June 1st. June 1st. The the 2016 product line will be is ready is is in the warehouse ready to ship. ship. So, you're right. Okay. So, get on it and and buy. <laughs> yeah. Sitka.com or go to your local retailer. That's <laughs> right. Sitka. Right. But we're where Eric and I sit kind of what we affectionately call the dungeon. Um, <laughs> I thought that same thing when I walked right. in. Right, yeah. so Fall 16, as much as we love that product, we've been wearing, personally wearing and hunting in that product for well over a year. Yeah. Quite honestly, it's it's old hat. To in you the guys. Sense, to us downstairs in the sense that not only is 16 done and just getting ready to sell, but we just finished 17 
we're working on 18 and quite honestly my mind for my for my product and conversations eric and i have i'm on 19 and 20 so fall 19 and fall 20. <laughs> now now some of it becomes a little bit a little bit conceptual at times mm-hmm. but some products if you're designing a textile from scratch yeah. if you're designing something the hunting industry's never seen and you just have a piece of white paper in front of you it can take quite a long time and quite a few iterations um, going back and forth with factories and and talking to Eric and trying stuff and scrapping it and trying again it it, it takes it can take uh, quite a long time I would say the average well with the average product in 18 months, 18 months 18 yeah. month development from from from, com- from what we'll call launch to to um, to, to, to delivery to, or to delivery or you know delivery to the factory but some of these things can take three or four years so I've been working on things for fall 18 um, for over a year and a half and so they've been yeah so some of the things have actually gotten if, if you some some of the products could be used during the spring so some of the products have had three hunting seasons under their belt yeah, before had, they even right get and, approved and, and, okay let's head and it'll be probably four hunting seasons so we'll probably do one more this fall before we will call it baked and feel comfortable going forward and so that could be style you know a certain fit that could be a certain textile yep. we're using it could be an, a, a myriad number of things we're trying to test mm-hmm. um and we like i said we have fantastic field testers and so we you know we use it but it's you know it's not just our show we we design it and build it for a lot of people and so we want their feedback and then the tough job is we have to filter that feedback and then say okay well you know this is this is where we're gonna we're land here and um but it's a constant you know but sales is getting ready to sell 16 and i'm i'm trying to figure out how to sell stuff in 18 and 19. (laughs) (laughs) so how big is your group of product testers Mm, or does it depend on product a, line? Because well, now you're, you're you're in big game, you're in whitetail, you're in waterfowl. waterfowl. Right. So I, do, I don't know. We do you think we have about a dozen key testers who we're constantly going to, and then there's a bunch more outside of that who we may use for lar- large, broader scope tests. But I don't know, a dozen like hardcore. And depending on the product, if it's if it's a really kind of niche piece, mm-hmm. we may reach out to people that have very special skill sets or hunt in very special environments mm-hmm. that, you know, we want to get their opinion on something. So, but I'd say overall we have probably a, a dozen people. Okay. So yeah. where do I forward the emails that I get to say, hey, how <laughs> do I become test. a product tester for Sitka <laughs> Gear? So it's a, it's a very select group of people we have. We've had, we've built relationships with, um, who are, we just, we know how they're, how they, what they do, how they do it. So we can put the right gear on them. Right. And we don't just, it's not, I mean, we test gear on our pro on ourselves all the time, but right. even our opinions aren't necessarily matched for, you know, someone who's hunting in Alaska or, or British Columbia or even down in Arizona. So yeah. we try to get those people involved as much as possible. Cause it's not just our opinion that matters. Hmm. So the, already my mind is, is saying, all right, and I know some people in other apparel industries, not the hunting apparel industry, but they can almost go overseas to where the big apparel manufacturing places are. And they can say, I want this garment with this design, this fabric, the zipper here, the buttons there. It's, it's almost like you walk in and you order it off a menu. 
doesn't sound like you guys are doing that. No, and just, <laughs> just, just, we, I, I mean, I just got back from a trip to Northern California doing some work, and we had about 12 people in a room from de- various parts of, you know, circles of development, circles of manufacturing, working on a single product. And this product we've been working on for probably about a year. And we're just getting to the point where we're seeing a prototype, you know, hmm. and With now 12 people, 12 people. I mean, pe- manufacturers, pattern maker, a couple pattern makers, um, you know, the owner of the company, you know, we're just the, everybody in the room working on all the various aspects to build one product. <laughs> it, it, I was sitting there going, this is, it, it's incredible. Yeah. And it doesn't always happen that way, but certain products, depending on how, technical they are or what they're trying to do involve a large group of people to make it happen and it's not just uh, it's i mean john and i we do a lot of a lot of grunt work but there's a lot a big bigger team involved in making any product that we build especially things that are seam tape seam sealed you know that product is super technical and highly refined and you know to give you to give you an idea going back to your your question or comment about going in and kind of ordering off a menu. The analogy I like to use is most of the time we're scratch making the biscuit. So we're not buying the ready-made mix. So for instance, I'm working on a product for 18. It's a new system actually. And the textile is, is kind of a key component to this kind of, being what I want it to be. And so I wrote a problem statement and said, this is what I need this textile or several textiles to do. Here's what I'm looking for. Now, mind you, I, I'm not a textile person by trade, mm-hmm. but I, but I know what I want and yeah. I, I give examples and I give some samples and we have a woman then that essentially scours the world yeah. at these textile manufacturers. And she comes back and she says, okay, here's what they have. Is any of this close? It could be. Sometimes it's exactly what I want. Yeah. Rarely is that the case, but sometimes it's close. And then from that point, we essentially have these mills build us a textile that, for all intents and purposes, has never existed. Right. And yeah. it takes time, and it takes dedication, and quite honestly, it, it takes some money, yeah. and it takes a little bit of... I have to write a business case for it sometimes, but that's that's the effort that's put into these products to try to make them the best that have ever been made. And so you're just defining what goes into that's just choosing the textile, the textile, textile. Yeah. not the layout, not the, its functionality, zippers, taping, seams. That's sewing. not working with the designer. That's not the concept of the garment or the or the system. That's not. That's just one small component. Wow, and so, then and then what goes into that? Like, so we build that textile before it ever even goes to a, a piece of apparel. We have physical tests we do on it to make sure it's of the quality we need to meet our minimum minimum testing requirements, which are high. Which are high, and then from there, then we can build. We'll build it into a garment, and then we can actually physically test the garment in the field. So, so have you ever had an instance where you said? All right, we think this is the perfect textile for it. We build the garment, we send it out in the field, and it's like, crap. 
Mm-hmm. Now we just realize <laughs> we overlooked this or or what we thought would be the application in the field. There's some other things that, and yep. then you kind of have to hit the reset button and go all the way back to building a new textile for it. Uh, yeah. Some, uh, sometimes you're yeah. modifying. We've, we've done things where in solid color, it performed outstanding. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as we get it into the printing process and finishing process and into the field testing again, something happens and it doesn't perform like it sh- like it did in solid. I mean, just as really? little little tweaks, changes like that can affect the textile. So and we got to go back to the drawing board. So you're saying that a certain textile, if it's in a solid, will perform a certain way, and when it gets printed with a pattern, it'll perform a different it, way. It's it, it not on every not every textile performs that ha- that happens to, but there's been a select few that that's been the 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 case you know and, and it's very difficult to predict yeah so these these brilliant textile people we work with they they cannot predict sometimes what is going to happen when it prints and you know what we're, we're trying to make hunting clothing and so that the the camouflage pattern on it is important yeah and the type of textile you choose um drives the process that that it, how it's printed and um so he was re- referring to a pant and we were very, very late in development on this pant. So it was getting to the By point. Late, you mean not late and you're not behind schedule late, but way down yeah, the path. Way, way down the path. Yeah. And we felt very comfortable. Everything was going good. This was kind of right when I got there. But the problem was the pant had never been printed in any kind of quality and, and or yeah, quantity, quantity and, for- and, and tried in the field. And so just almost, by mistake, yeah. We had some pants that went out in the field, uh, up on a stone sheep hunt, mm-hmm. and they came back and they they looked horrible. Now the performance was fine, yeah. The breathability, the DWR, and everything, but yeah. the the print did something weird to the face, the outer part of the textile, yeah. And it just it was it didn't look good, didn't it? Wasn't and, acceptable. And it was a very uh, very difficult financial decision, but that textile we scrapped, although we had bought a lot of it because we were just about ready to go to production. Um, we scrapped it and went back to the incumbent, which was still a great textile, but we're always trying to push the envelope. Um, but we just felt we owed it to ourselves and our consumer to not, to not put that in the market. And so that, we, we learned quickly that, and this is where some of the cost comes in, yeah. is it, it costs extra to get things printed. And so at some level in the beginning, it's okay to test stuff in a solid. Right. But we also learned that, that if it's directionally what we want, we yeah. have to have it printed and tested. Early in the process. Early in, in the, the process yeah. and make sure that something weird doesn't go on in the <laughs> chemistry um, so for instance, something else that, that will happen is you'll get a textile that feels really nice and is soft, exactly kind of what you want. And as soon as you print it a certain way, it, it can take on a, a gritty, almost sandpaper type really? feel and face. And again, they can't predict it. So you just have to do it and then see. Yeah. And if it doesn't work, you have to find something else. So I'm a bean counter, right? I'm a CPA. <laughs> 
I'm sitting here thinking as you guys are talking about this, you're far along in the process of a new pant. And the bean counter in me is like, there's a lot of money already sunk into that point. We've got... There can be. Yeah, we've got people ready to produce this. We've already started talking about, let's get this in stores. Let's get this sold when it's produced. It seems like there would be business pressures to say... That's good enough. We got a lot in this. Just just get it out there. We, we, we can't afford to to go back. But you're saying that that's, that is not what drives what ends up on the shelf with a Sitka tag no. on it. No, and that's not. Our, our MO is to put the best product in the field we can. And if we see something like that, we are not going to allow it to, to get out there. You know, The it, pressure is for us to do better on the front end. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The pressure is never to take a poor quality product to market. We just had the same thing happen with some wool, uh-huh. and it didn't print well. Yeah, and honestly, pe- people like us would have noticed it, and and probably most consumers wouldn't have. Yeah, and we didn't feel it was right um, to do that. It, it, we don't feel it would have met the the expectations of our consumer and the expectations of us, and yeah. and um, we're not taking it to market this year. We're not taking a certain pattern in wool to market. We just, we just, I'm, I'm assuming it got put in some big pile in Asia and burned. I don't know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not going to be on, yeah. it's not going to be on the store shelf. Well, so us accountants are like control freaks. <laughs> so what you're saying is it'd be frustrating to be a bean counter at Sitka because the bean counters aren't the, at the top of the decision pyramid. Correct. So we're the we're, engineers and product people. So we get we are the final call. A, we are a product driven company. Yep. Now, mind you, we're also in it to make money. <laughs> don't, don't kid yourself. But but yeah. but our philosophy has always been that if we make the best product, that that we will win. Right. People will buy it, and and the adoption will continue. Yeah. Wow. I I just think about the pressures that companies face. And I'm not just talking about apparel, but any company. Once you get far down that path, you've got so much riding on that that for you guys to have the ability and the authority to say, nope, not yeah. doing it, that's that's unusual. Let's just put it that way. That's unusual it, it, it in a un- manufacturing it is un- company. It is unusual. Huh. It is unusual, but... So I, I want to go back to the, that pant thing as well. Um, not only did we pull the product we had to remake the product in, a, in, a, in another textile and as soon as you do that everything changes it's not like you can take one product from textile a and put it into textile b and it's going to be fit identical we had to rework our fitting we had to rework our sizing we had to refit them on our fit models we had to we went to asia and did fit fits over there it was you know there was a lot of things that went into place as soon as we said we're dropping that textile that we had to we had to take care of, and it was there's a lot of work. And, and hopefully, all the consumer sees is a badass. Yeah, exactly. And, and that, 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 <laughs> yeah. that's what I'm thinking is the consumer has no idea when I'm sitting on the top of the Gallatin range and the wind's blowing in November, and I'm sitting there in my timberline pants thinking man these are the best pants i've ever had it's kind of like my elk hunting uniform i have no idea until i started talking to you guys in the last while 
what went on to even design a Timberline pant that, how long has that been on the market now? Since I've been with the company, so that's going on four years. So yeah, probably, I'm probably longer than if that. If ever yeah. you guys are going to terminate that, I'm running out and hoarding <laughs> yeah. all the inventory yeah. I, I can I don't, find. I don't, I don't think we could. Yeah. I think we'd get, we'd, but, we'd get run out of town yeah. if we did yeah. that. But the point being is I, have, uh, I was clueless about all that went, the, all the, just the little things that, you know, zippers, whatever, fitting size belts, oh, mm-hmm. uh, that goes into that. And so just, let's, you know, so, so, so move ahead. So now we have a product. Yep. Well, so, so now we have a product yeah. and, and, you know, we build systems. Sika builds systems. Right. Sika doesn't build a piece of clothing. We build systems. And so when I'm thinking about a product, when somebody presents us with an idea, when Eric and I are talking, you know, the first, so in my mind, I immediately start to calculate, say it's a jacket. Mm-hmm. Where does that jacket fall into either an existing system we have, and does it enhance that system, or is that jacket and that that design, that that textile, whatever the new technology is, is there a way to build a system around it? So we never look at product in isolation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always a system. So uh, <laughs> this is one of the things I had I had brought from the government from years of training, you know, theory doesn't work. You have, you know, theory is theory until it's proven to be fact. Yeah. Right. And so, um, we were getting some challenge on a, on a particular jacket that we've got coming out in fall 17 and people were questioning because it was a little, it's, it's, it's never been done in the hunting space. So people within the walls had a kind of hard time figuring it out. So what Eric and I did, and we do this all the time, is the jacket's supposed to move moisture. The jacket's supposed to keep you warm when wet. You hear all these things all the time. Right. Um, and that's all you hear is people talking about it. And we move beyond that. And Eric and I put on the system of this jacket as one component. And we take the jacket and we can submerge it in a bucket of water. And we pull it out of the bucket of water and we put it on with the rest of the system and we put packs on our backs and we go for a hike yeah. with a stopwatch and see, does it dry? Does it move moisture? If it does, how quickly, what are the environmentals? And we continue to do that over and over and over to prove to ourselves yeah. really, right? That we have created a component of a system that enhances the overall system. So it's kind of a long, a long <laughs> explanation, but, it's super important because people talk about systems and people talk about layering, right. but very rarely does anybody ever demonstrate. Um, very rarely does anybody have the intimate knowledge to say, this is the best insulation for this jacket, for this system, because we have actually tried it in the conditions we're telling you it will work in. Right. That it, takes it, time. That takes dedication. That takes people who, who know what they're doing, not just from a, a design standpoint or a production standpoint, but actually from a, a field use standpoint. Right. And when you say people know what they're doing, uh, you can you guys can't see this uh, who are listening, but these are not fresh college graduates that we're talking <laughs> to here. Eric, you've been in this gig how long? Uh, 20 plus years of designing, designing high performance apparel. Yep. 
outdoor, outdoor companies, outdoor gear for yeah, twenty plus years. And John, I'm going on eighteen. Okay, so the point point I'm making there is when you guys go out and do your own personal testing and get your comfort level with it. You guys have been there, done that, seen it, and good enough isn't good enough. My wife just rolls her eyes. <laughs> she, just, <laughs> she just knows it's coming. Uh, what are you wearing this time? <laughs> yeah. Why are you what? jumping in the Why are you jumping in the river? Yeah, I. You know, there there's some people I hang out with that do a little product testing for you guys, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I I get to see some of this stuff and. I instantly, when you're, when you got some downtime, I start asking questions and I can tell they're kind of uncomfortable. Like, am I allowed to talk to Randy about this stuff? <laughs> he sees me wearing it. Only uh, if he signed an NDA. Yeah. <laughs> and I always, I always tell them, and I do tell them, I'm like, look, John made me sign the NDA. So, so I'm good. And then when, when I'm taking photographs or we're doing video or whatever, I'm like, hmm, better get that guy out of the out of the frame because I know what's going to happen. I post this on my website and there's going to be 35 questions of, Hey, what was that guy wearing? And then I'm going to get a call from the attorney at Sitka saying, remember that NDA you signed? (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Point is the people that I hang, hang out with who, uh, who are doing just a small part of your product testing. They, they spend, I would guess 300 days a year in the mountains. That's doing, why they're testing yeah, that's, for us. Yeah. Doing some of the craziest, insane stuff. And part of me is like, why did you do that last week? Oh, I just wanted to see. I got this new thing from Sitka, and I just was going to go see yeah. if, if it did. And yeah, it did. Man, it's, I can't wait till it gets to market, blah, blah, blah. So there's been companies, and I'm not specifically talking about the hunting industry, but you know, there are companies out there that get a reputation for quote testing on their consumer so you know <laughs> well it's good enough or well we think we have a theory you know mm-hmm. let's put it out there and get you know six thousand people to buy whatever and and see what the feedback yeah. is see if customer service is inundated that we don't want that reputation right right well, i would i would rather have the folks we're talking about hate me because they had one miserable night or one miserable day um than, than have our consumers hate us because you know we did something yeah, that that didn't work. It, a lot of, I mean, you can go to some of these factories and, or fabric mills, and you can find, you know, you can engineer something really inexpensive, or you can negotiate with them. We want this fabric at this price because we got to meet a. We're trying to sell something at nineteen ninety nine. We don't we don't do that. We develop a textile from the start to meet an end use, and you just can't go about building product for a price. Yeah, and that's. That's how we keep things incredibly high end and perform the high, the performance of our product is just incredible. Yeah. Well, there's no doubt about that. And just in the sake of full disclosure to the listener, when I started the TV show, um, Sitka had come out, I think a year or two earlier. And, uh, I had a series of guest hunters. And so the first two seasons, I think it was, I went out and I bought Sitka gear plus your supposed competitors at the time. And we wore all different garments, different patterns, different everything throughout the first two seasons. 
that was that was hard on the pocketbook. Not, <laughs> not, not just because I was paying full retail for everything, um, but I was not just buying Sitka. I was buying your competitors also. And when it was all said and done, it kind of came to, uh, we can call it a vote, whatever you want to call it, um, just feedback of, all right, guys, what, what did you guys think? And pretty much, two, I, well, it was unanimous among all the guys is, can you get some more of that Sitka gear stuff? I'm like, well, I can, but it's going to cost me a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, actually I bumped into Jonathan, one of the founders at a trade show. It, it just was kind of like perfect timing because I, I was about ready to have to infuse more cash into this business to go do a lot of things. And he said, you know, we should make sure that you have our gear because um, he thought that I was getting it for free. I'm like, no, I'm paying. I'm not even getting a pro deal. I'm paying full retail, and I'm going to go pay full retail for a bunch more of it. Mm -hmm. And so the, the reason I say that is I didn't come to Sitka Gear because just, oh, it was, you know, the thing to do, or it was, you know, somebody, I had an in or somebody gave me something. It was this process of me and a bunch of other hunters saying, look, if we're going to do this and we're going to have this audience and we're going to talk about that money isn't what drives us, our reputation and our credibility and our authenticity is more important of our message and the products we use. Uh, I kind of had to put my money where my mouth is. <laughs> uh, and I did that. And then, you know, everyone knows that for the last five years, I've been very much an advocate and an ambassador for Sitka, just in part because of that, but also... Uh, you guys, uh, and you, I, you, you, this is probably f t too low on the on the education level for you guys because you you lead this stuff. But for me, as a if you want to call it an ambassador for Sitka, they told me if you're going to be promoting our gear, you're going back to is it Delaware? Is that yeah? I flew into Philly, yeah, yeah, yeah. In Elkton, Maryland, or yeah, yeah. So they fly me into Philly. And they, we get on a bus. That's why I'm saying I think we ended up in yeah, Delaware. Yeah, New, yeah, Newark, Delaware. Yeah, we end up in at Gore headquarters, and they called it a Gore Tech session. So for me to become an ambassador of your Sitka product, I had to spend a week back there in June. And it was like such a learning curve <laughs> of how this Gore mindset is of quality, 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 innovation 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 good is not good enough and you get to talk to all these phds and all <laughs> these like, you know you go through this whole process not just about the the membranes and all the because people see the gore-tex tag right. hanging off all right. your clothing and so you get to learn all that history you get to see how they do it and then the last day or two you just get to go around all the product testing and quality i don't know if you call it quality control whatever walk into this one room there's like 300 washing machines <laughs> in there and they're washing these products i don't know what how many times the, the, the garment had to be washed and tested and washed and tested and then run through dryers the yeah. same thing it's i'm like i'm never gonna wash and dry my clothes that much in 10 lifetimes and the the engineer guy's like yeah we know that but we can't have failure. And then they had this machine that replicates a boot, boot walking through yeah. water. I can't remember how many, uh, I'll call it 
footsteps they were trying to replicate. And they, this wasn't just like one boot on the machine. This, this company had to send in hundreds of boots that they all got put through that thing for. And we came back the next day, the machine's still running yeah. with these boots in there. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> this is just a mindset of, of how it is. And, and so it was a, they called it a Gore-Tex session. And it was me, Corey Jacobson, Donnie, Kiviak, trying to remember who else was. Anyhow, I think we all left with the same impression of, you know, we hunt pretty hard, but I don't think we're going to ruin this clothing after that. We, we, we just did something, was it last, last year with the whitetail line? The, yeah, the, the launch or the back east? No, when we were talking about, so we apply this uh, polygene coating, which is antimicrobial for, uh, for smell. Hmm. And, you know, it's the, the, the claim from, the, from polygene is it's the life of the garment. And, and, and they define that, which, which I'm not going to share. But we said, okay, well, it's on our product. Right. <clears throat> we need to. What is, what is the life of this garment? And so what we did was, because it depends on the number of washings. Right. So, you know, the reality is a big game hunter is not going to wash his clothes as often as a whitetail hunter. Right. I mean, some guys wash them every day. Yep. So we decided that the average whitetail hunter is going to hunt X number of days a year that that product's going to last X number of years. And then we kind of added some fudge factor and we sent it back to the lab and we said, we need these garments washed to this, to this end. And she, the woman came back and said, that's three times more than anyone has ever requested or the industry standard. And we're like, yep, we're okay with that. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, and, and, you know, people love me because I'm always trying to do stuff like that and we're like no we're okay with that and she says but do you know how long that's going to take and I'm like uh, no <laughs> but I'm not the person doing it um, and, no, and, and, and long story short it, it it came back and it passed with flying colors wow flying colors like o- almost with 100% yeah. um, and, and it's, relevancy it takes a long time and it also costs a lot of money it's <laughs> not cheap yeah and so I, you, you hear that as a common theme, right? We've all talked about it, that the, the costs associated with this. None of this is, is inexpensive. But again, it's, it's the right thing to do. Yeah. I don't know how many times we say that. It's like, this is the right thing to do. We've had products that we wanted to launch. So I had products I wanted to launch in 17 that I just wasn't comfortable with yet. And so we just we had to push them out a year to 18. And, and that'll continue to happen as opposed to try to rush something yeah. to market. But I, I want to go back to something you'd said before, you know, you affectionately called yourself a bean counter. Uh-huh. Um, and we talked about investment right. with your, with your company. But really, if you, if you look at sick gear as an investment, right. I, I think it, it, it helps. So if you, you know, if you, if you say, well, this pants cost me X, but that pants going to last you for five or six years, really probably to the point where you're more tired of the pant than the pant is tired of you. <laughs> um, and you just want something new. Right. When you look at it like that, from an investment standpoint, it's, you know, but you, right. but you see what's going into giving you that. Pant. Right. And that I always tell people and the mother, it's when I'm advising clients in my CPA firm, or even when I'm talking to 
a lot of our listeners and viewers who ask me equipment questions. Cash out the door falls into two categories. Expense, which is recurring and usually annual or close to annual, or an investment. So you can either put your cash out the door out of your checkbook and invest in something that's going to provide returns and last a long period of time. Or you can do the same thing and you can buy something that is a quasi-disposable. You're going to be buying it and replacing it, buying it and replacing it. And for me and our audience, and the people who listen to us and watch us, they take their their time seriously. They, you know, in today's world, I think time is our most valuable commodity. And with families, with school, with kids, with whatever work, you know, all those things, our time to go and hunt is extremely valuable because we just don't get to do enough of it. And when someone goes out there, the last thing they want is an equipment failure, a clothing failure, a whatever. And anyone who's listening, just like myself, I'm sure they went through this phase in their life where, all right, I'm going to go down to the box store and I'm going to buy something because it's on sale today. And you went out and it rained or it sleeted or it, and you were absolutely miserable. It compromised your hunt. You went home early or you weren't able to stay out as long as you wanted. And so for me, I just take those life lessons forward and say, you know what? When the time comes to gear for something as important to me as my hunting time or my fishing time, whatever, I'm going to invest over a period of time. I, it might take me three or four years to fill out mm-hmm. that equipment need, but it's going to be an investment and I don't got to worry about it failing. And I know it's going to be there when I need it. Yeah, I don't want to get pushed out of the mountains because of a gear failure. I want to get pushed out of the mountains because I'm ready to leave. (laughs) You know, we're we're not, you know, we're not, we're not perfect. Our process isn't perfect. Nothing we do is perfect. We're human beings. But that's why we have, you know, an amazing warranty. And we have a fantastic customer service team. And, you know, the very few small percentage of of folks that, that may have some type of issue, Mm-hmm. We're pretty damn good about about taking care of it, but 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 also they come down and tell us so we can look into it and see if well maybe that was a one off mm-hmm. and and statistically would never happen again, or maybe there is something you know maybe we did use the wrong stitch somewhere maybe you know we didn't we didn't use the right heat setting when they when they set a certain you know patch or something like that. Um, we take that stuff serious, but. You know, most of the time it, it's, you know, everybody's, everybody's fine. Yeah. And I can verify what John just said. And you guys have seen me down there. I call it dumpster diving. Your, your uh, customer service people, when they get product back, they'll call me and say, Hey, Randy, your camera guys need anything or your guest hunters need anything. We got a bunch of returns here that are virtually flawless, but we're not going to put them back out there. Mm-hmm. And I can't believe how small of an area. I, come, I don't know how many garments you guys sell in a year. A lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I go down there and the returns are just, you know, there's not many of them. There's I'm like, many. No. I'm like, wait, wait a second. I need, I'm looking for this size. And they're like, well, we haven't had any return of that size. I'm like, you mean of all the however many thousands and thousands of garments you sell, you don't have any returned in a size 36 regular. No, we don't right now. So it's right, but 
And like you said, that most of them that come back and we warranty, mm-hmm. some people would kill to have that and keep using it. <laughs> and that's, yeah. right? that's the other part. I'm looking through them. I'm like, can you tell me what's wrong with this? And usually there's a little tag on it that says, customer said that there was dirt on the inside of the waistband or something. <laughs> I suspect that maybe the customer put the dirt on the inside of the waistband. <laughs> And I'm like, really? That's all? That? And they're like, yeah, we can't send it out like that because it's been washed once and it's been worn. So my guest hunters and my camera guys, I mean, they're like, really? I get this? I'm like, yeah, it's supposedly a second. And they're wearing it three years later. It's right. performing flawlessly. So yep. my, my point of that whole example is that what you guys invest up front in this process, I suspect, is a big reason why the amount of returns is so so fractional yeah we think so yeah and again you know you talk about about cost but if we put that pant we talked about out in the field and it wasn't perfect you know the the consumer has such a high expectation of our product as as we do that they would return it and so what's is it better to take care of it up front or to potentially tarnish our brand and then have to deal with returns i mean Right. It's just the right thing to do is to just not put something like that. Yeah, in the or have someone have a bad experience because of a manufacturing quality defect, and not not talk to our customer service and just start blogging about how bad product product was. Yeah, they call our customer service. They talk them through the what happened and why it happened. Our customer service is going to take care of them. Yeah, and make sure it get, make sure it gets rectified. Yeah. yeah. The, there's a saying in the business world that you you find the best attorney in the world and then you figure out how not to need them. You operate <laughs> in a manner that... And so in the manufacturing world, the, the companies I know that are kind of leaders in their field have a similar parallel to that is have the best warranty and customer service in the world and figure out how not to have to inundate yeah. them. I mean, mm-hmm. if... if if you make a superior product, you can afford the best warranty in the world because you aren't going to have to. Right. Yeah. Hopefully cr- not exercise it very <laughs> yeah. often. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. let's face it, the a warranty doesn't do anyone very much good if they're up on the Brooks Range of Alaska doll sheep hunting. No. Yeah. I, I don't think FedEx is going to drop off a new item out <laughs> right. there for But them. see, we've all been there and we know how imperative it is. I mean... That, that clothing system is really your first line of defense. It's your first, you know, survival mechanism is, you know, to keep you warm, to keep you dry, to keep, you know, perspiration off you yeah. or wind or whatever the case may be. And, you know, we're wearing the same product we make. So yeah. I don't want to be up in the brooks without having, <laughs> having something that's, uh, that's essentially flawless and, and foolproof. No, I, I – and – Look, I drive a desk for a living is what I tell people. I, in my other life, I'm a CPA. So I might not be the best ambassador of a real badass kind of guy for Sitka product. But I, in my other life, when I'm not disinheriting the federal treasury here at the CPA firm, <laughs> um, I do spend about 120 days a year in your clothing. Yeah. And I sleep in tents about 70 to 80 nights a year. Uh, so... Just over the course of the, that time, you expose yourself to enough of the elements of nature that you're going to 
find out what works and doesn't work. Yeah, I'd say uh, that's a good testament. Yeah, I I think that's pretty badass. (laughs) (laughs) I think if people saw me on my local Dairy Queen run every evening, they'd be like, "This guy's not badass at all." But But you know, the other thing, Randy, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna cue Eric up a little bit here. I think um, because he doesn't he doesn't promote himself enough. But you know, we have some amazing designers. So you know, one of the things we have is some amazing talent. Mm-hmm. Um, amazing designers. I'm talking people that are are literally world class. We have the best factories in the world. We have the best materials in the world, or try to. Um, and we never try to rest on our laurels. And so, as as we continue to evolve, and we're always trying to push the envelope. So, for fall '16, um, I said the product comes out on Tuesday, but we took two of the best selling products in the company, the mountain pant and the Timberline pant, which everybody loves. You, you mentioned yep. it. I love them. You've got, right? my, but you got me worried. But now. even before I, but even before I, I got to the company, I was thinking, man, like if I could only do this to it, if I can only do that to it. Um, I'll just cut to the chase. So for fall 16, the mountain pant and the Timberline pant have a new fit. So it's more refined. The build is, I don't want to say better, but maybe better is the right word. Um, the textile in the mountain pant is updated now. So s- some people, to include myself, thought that when it got moist from perspiration or rain, that it kind of sagged a little bit. It doesn't do that. We, we, we tapered the legs more to fit over boots but not have so much material that it swooshes when you walk. And so, you know, guys like Eric and these designers are like, well, that pant was great when we did it, but we can do better now. And we don't have to do that. Right. We want to do that. Um, I, I'm looking at Eric like, all right, tell me what you've done to my favorite pant here. Because I, I, I know you. I get your email and phone number. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that the biggest thing was the waistband. Um, we made the waistband a, a hair wider, but a whole lot uh, more thin, less or low profile. So when you're wearing a pack, you don't feel that waistband at all. We uh, refit the, sh- the shape of the knees, the shape of the thigh, the shape of the rise. The whole pan has been re-engineered for more performance fit, uh, more athletic fit. And then the, wa- the waistband construction was kind of where we, we tried to dial that in from the old traditional kind of jean style waist to a flatter, um, more low profile I believe it's called a French waist. It's really flat, really thin, um, and it just it works really well underneath pack strap uh, waist straps. We ha- we also have we updated the belt loop so it'll accept one of our new belts or wider belts in general. I mean, the belt loop, it used to come with a belt. We've right. taken that off. Um, you can put your own wide belt in there. You can buy one of our new belts that uh, designed to fit in there as well. Um, you updated the suspender loops. Yeah, low, more low profile, easier to get in, get the suspenders in and out of them. Um, so uh, it's like a 50-50 thing. Half people love them, half the people hate them. So yeah. they're easy to get in, get on and off. Um, so but, you, at work, you, you look at these things and your mind doesn't say, oh, good enough. Get that thing out of here and let's get it sold. <laughs> you're, you're like, and the reason I say this is, there's certain things I look at because I deal with it on a daily basis that other people are going to look at it differently. 
you're looking at these garments and you know we could tweak this we could do that right yeah and, and i mean we again between john myself the design group we work with the designers um we're always trying to make things i mean it, not just better for better sake but better because there's a need to for it to be better yeah. um or just not not for not just to make something different we're trying to make it better because there's a need for it to be better i mean it was good as it was but you know we you know if you look at the thickness of our old mountain pant and belt loop construction and and the new mountain pant belt loop and waistband construction it's probably i, I mean, i'm not gonna say it's half as thick but it's 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 a lot thinner yeah. overall and so you just said something eric that uh, you said we went out and tested this in the way it fits with a pack on mm-hmm. that that's just <laughs> that extra step of how many other people think about all right the user of our gear is probably a backpack guy gonna be carrying 40 pounds on his back gonna have mm-hmm. a thick waist belt gonna have this that the, yeah j- just the when you said that i'm like okay cool that, that <laughs> tells me that the product is designed the way I use the product. Yeah. And, and we, be- I, I referenced it earlier, but we will do that. We'll, we'll get product wet or we'll put yeah. the pants on and we'll load the packs up. You know, we have 60 pound bags of dog food. We've taped yeah. in the shape of hindquarters and stuff. We'll put them in the packs that people use to hunt our packs or, you know, a competitors. We'll put them on and we'll go hike, hike the M we'll go, we'll go, we'll go, you know, that's how we get our training in. But we're also quote working. But yeah. if you don't do that, if you don't actually use it the way that it's intended, then you never get that intimate connection with the product we talked about to know if it truly works. Yeah. And, and, um, and I can vouch that these guys are serious about their hunting. And again, the listener can't hear this, but before we turned on the mics, we were having this serious serious discussion about an important event that is happening this <laughs> <Today>. afternoon <laughs> where the productivity of anyone who applied for limited entry tags in Nevada is shot today because Eric and John and I were all like, Oh, where did you apply? Where did I apply? Uh, man? Oh, really? They're going to announce. So if you, if we seem distracted or interrupted, it's because I'm checking my phone occasionally to see if the draw results <laughs> from Nevada are up. And if you just hear a mic drop and the door close, it's because we all drew something. <laughs> <laughs> so, point being that this is not uh, guys who are just crazy about engineering high quality apparel. These are guys who are out using it for the application that we have. You guys hunt. You guys, it, I, I mean, every, all of us know situations where somebody is in a decision-making point in a manufacturing process who isn't engaged for the end use of the product. And you look, you read business failures all the time. It's like, well so-and-so was a car company and the guy they had running that division they brought him over from the surfboard industry <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm, I'm right. making it you know just throwing that out there but well you've been to our office you see it there's oh there's there's dead animals there's, everywhere there's, there's dead animals everywhere and if you right? want to there's get, 
backpacks and muddy boots and bows, bows and, and yeah, everything. Bikes, mountain bike. There, there is everything. When you go to Sitka, if, if I, I like how you guys, you have to push the button to be led yeah, in. Most places you don't push the red button. Yeah, <laughs> Sitka you do. Yeah, <laughs> it's like man, and that just gives you this feeling like man, I'm coming into some place here. You're, you're kind of looking like, all right, am I have to go through two TSA or what's <laughs> yeah. the deal here? But point being. Don't go to the Sitka headquarters and think you're going to get talk to anybody from about August 15th to the end of the year. Yeah, no. We're... Because the, you walk by their desks and there's like an inch of dust on top of their desk. <laughs> They've been out in the field so long that it's, uh, point being, you guys hunt. And it shows in the end product. Of... And um, so just one more thing about the pants that, that he didn't touch on. but and, and it shows a commitment. But we also brought out odd sizes now. So for guys like me, right. So, you know, I could wear a 36 and it fit good and I could wear a 38 and it fit kind of okay, but I'm really a 37 mm -hmm. and that 37 now that I've always wanted just fits awesome. And, um, so again, that's a commitment from the business because that increases the, the skews we call it. Right. Yep. Um, which is harder to not, not harder to manage, but just more effort to manage. Right. But, but that's the commitment we have. We're like, if we're going to do this, like, let's really do it. Yeah, and I would suggest anyone who's listening who's looking at buying those pants, really measure your waist. Because if you're buying jeans at a 34 or 36, you may be a little bigger, a little smaller, and we've offered those odd sizes to fit that. Now you can tailor the fit. You know, we have tall sizes available in those as well. So it's you can really customize your, your pant fit now at Sitka. Really what you're doing is you're trying to solve the riddle for guys like me who when I've eaten Dairy Queen all summer, <laughs> I'm a 38. <laughs> By the time season gets halfway through and I've been living on dehydrated foods and PBJs for six weeks, I'm now a 36. There you go. And yeah, maybe you could split the difference. Uh, yeah, I'm, yeah. I know, really. I, I'm... <laughs> And even if I'm, I haven't been on the Dairy Queen binge this summer. I've been working out pretty much. So, uh, actually, I, I'm probably a 37, right straight through. But that's uh, interesting that you guys are going to that level because of your desire to make sure everybody, if they're investing, they're going to have the fit they need. It's well, not like have the best experience possible. Right. Well, I gotta, I gotta compromise. Do I want a 38 or a 36 or a 34 or a 36 now? It's like, this is what I am. Yeah. It's here. I can get it. Mm -hmm. Huh. So is that, again, was that a business decision or was that just a no word? We, we sell a lot of pants and we want to make sure people, our pants fit, you know, yeah. and it's, it's a lot easier to fit people of different sizes with more sizes. Yeah. Instead of trying to jam them into some, uh, a, a, a range of sizes, we, you know, we give them, you know, other than going half sizes, which would be incredibly laborious and difficult <laughs> you know we're giving them the next best thing yeah. you know instead of going from 36 to 38 well there's something in the middle there that we're missing and we address that yeah so people see the gore-tex tag hanging off all your garments what are the benefits of having a gore and i don't know are you guys allowed to talk about this am i well, opening we'll up a can level yeah okay what are the benefits of having a gore company i mean that brand that that technology that everything at your disposal 
Does that give you an well, so advantage? I'll, I'll, I'll cue it up and to say that m- most people don't understand, and rightly so, I guess, but for a company to use Gore-Tex in their products, they have to essentially be vetted. They have to be vetted. The factory has to be vetted. The factory has to be trained. The, the factory that's going that, to manufacture that's that product produce that the garment. Right. The factory has to use uh, Gore-approved seam tape machines. They have to use their standards. So it, it is not an easy process, but just like we're talking about our product, they don't want their product, Gore-Tex, mm-hmm. or the Windstopper, used in anything inferior um, so that customer could have a, a bad experience. Yeah. So it, it's, it's not easy to get that. Right. And, and so just to, to kind of step back, Eric, uh, I did not understand this until I went to a Gore-Tex session for a week. The, really, this Gore is, I'll call it a membrane. Mm-hmm. Is that the right term? Yeah, to, yeah to it's, a, it's like a, a film, a microporous film membrane. I mean, it, if you look at it, it's incredibly thin. You wouldn't think it would be able to do much, but when mm-hmm. it's applied to fabric and the technology they put into the membrane is, is how it maintains waterproofness. And that membrane goes in between clothing layers in the manufacturing process, is that? So the membrane is laminated to the outer shell of your, you say your big game uh, cloudburst jacket or stormfront jacket. It's So you have your camo face, yep. the membrane's behind that, and then there's usually, in all of our products except for insulated, is there's a third layer that protects the membrane from abrasion. Okay. So, and that membrane, whether it's Windstopper or Gore-Tex, mm-hmm. is to the core of a lot of the the performance of your product. It is. It is. I mean, and from, from from the standpoint of waterproof, yeah, moisture it, transfer. It, stuff it like is. That. It is the yeah. It's the basically the foundation of the outer outermost part of our system. Yeah. Because I, I didn't realize Gore-Tex and Windstopper were these membranes, and you go back there and you see it. And it's like, it's amazing really? stuff. That, that thin little thing mm-hmm. does that. Yeah. And I, I'm sure they thought, oh, these guys doubt us. So we got to go into the lab. Yeah. And see all these tests they were doing with it. They were putting chemicals on it to see if, you know, bug dope and gasoline and diesel fuel and all this stuff, if it would God. affect the membranes and what the transfer rates were, what pressures it could withstand and what. This is way beyond a bean counter's talent. Other <laughs> yeah. than I look at these people and they look, they're they're way smarter than me. Yeah. And, well, and if they're happy, I guess I'm happy. But. And a lot of a lot of laminates, you can just go like. In, in previous lives, I could go buy a laminate from company A, B, and C, and they'll tell me it breathes thirty thousand, thirty thousand, twenty. Well, whatever they have, you know, breathability and waterproofness, and right. that's all you gauge things by. What Gore has done is is brought it to the n- another level of guaranteeing that it's going to perform the way they tell you it's going to perform. It's not just an off-the-shelf product. All the Like you said, the factories are trained. They have special machinery to tape it that's all gore-supplied. Um, and there's technicians. We have technicians in all the factories around the world, if not every day. A lot, you know, good part of our manufacturing process, they're in there monitoring machinery, making sure they're constructing things properly. So there's a big investment 
on the gore gore side to guarantee what it is that we're putting into our garments is the garments doing what it's supposed to do and and, and so beyond sika just from from a broader perspective anyone using gore products gore-tex or windstopper those 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 products even if there are competitors they are built to the highest standards because gore demands that and that is the agreement that they've got with that with that company and so that's it's it's a pretty it's a pretty big badge of honor to to have that in any company because i've worked for some other folks doing doing product and and luckily i've always worked with gore-tex but um they don't they don't just let anybody take that and and use it in a design process any way they want it has to be to a very high standard yeah, when I when I was back in Delaware and I was talking about this boot, yeah. this big long. I mean, yeah, just, you, but you really would have to see this machine to. Re- <laughs> I mean, my explanation of it doesn't give it full effect. The, it's these mechanical feet inside these boots, and it's just and it's all these repetitions of of putting X amount of pressure on a boot, flexing it a certain way. And so I asked the the dude there. He's got like a string of titles and and degrees oh, yeah. behind his <laughs> name. A bunch of letters. After yeah, his name. I'm like, man, I I thought CPA was an impressive title. <laughs> this guy, he's like, he's way out there compared to me. And I said, well, what's the purpose of this testing? He said, well, this is a a boot company that is wanting to be, uh, what would I say, certified? I don't know if that's the right term. Mm-hmm. They want to use Gore Tex in their boot. So we've said, you have to ship us these boots, this number of them, and we're going to test them. And we're going to test all of your manufacturing processes. And so they had all these sensors inside the boots that were testing for you know, moisture transfer, whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and I said, well, what happens if, if your failure, the failure rate doesn't meet your expectations? Well, then we're either going to look at the boot design or we're going to look at the manufacturing process and find out from them which factory designed this boot or, or manufactured this boot because maybe they're not meeting our expectations. I'm like, that's what you have to go through in order to get a, what, what would you call it? A certification? Yeah, certification. Yep. Yeah. And then they're <laughs> doing the same thing with uh, with gloves also. Yep. Oh, yeah. I, I'm like, yeah. Well, Eric and I last winter, and a, a few of us were were asked to to do a quote boot test, and this was just some new technology Gore was Gore was trying, and so they they had one of their manufacturers, well known, make these boots up, and it was a little uncomfortable to be quite honest with you, but they came out and they taped sensors all over our feet, and we had to go out and cover X number of miles this day and X number of miles that day, and log the temperature and the humidity. And everything was recorded um, just so they could see, okay, the lab says one thing, yeah. but what's reality in the field? Because we know that sometimes that is not, right? right. We've all had that experience. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, the you know, the guy with all the um, letters after his name says one thing, but, you know, <laughs> when, we're, when we're out chasing elk or, or, or running dogs or whatever, like, does it really work? Yeah. And, uh, but, but that's the extent to which they go to we go to you know the partners that use gore-tex go to um it's it's just a commitment really is what it is it's a commitment to just trying to do the right thing to the highest quality standards and and that's pretty cool to be a part of yeah in all your background eric of working for other companies 
I, I just, when I saw this certification going on back there, it seems like you get this Gore relationship must give you some access to when you call or you make a request to a manufacturing facility for textiles or for whatever it is certain you must have tech access to certain technologies and manufacturing processes that maybe other companies wouldn't have because it it might i think if you're if you're part of if you're a gore approved supplier you're you 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 have access to a lot of the same things i mean we we don't have any special no access or you, you know behind the curtain type stuff we're we we have the same books that all of our other competitors have for gore textiles mm-hmm. um you know we do talk to the the people who are developing textiles and say this is what we're looking for if they develop something like that it's never just for us it's for the entire hunting brand uh, or a gore hunting brand uh-huh. so we don't i mean there's not not a lot of, we don't get a lot of special no i think they they they, they look at it as if you if you meet the standard then you're in the club okay and if you're in the club then yeah you get a little peek behind the curtain yeah okay <laughs> all right but we don't get any bigger peek behind the curtain okay right hmm. i may ha- i may have a, a a direct phone number to call somebody and give them a hard time to, <laughs> to get something but i don't really get any special hmm. attention hmm. so uh, you were talking earlier about I think you guys said you you called some person and said, "Hey, we need a fabric that does this under these right. conditions." That blah blah blah. I mean that that's got to be a very valuable resource in coming up with these textile oh, designs. A hundred percent. I mean, my my expertise in fabric is only because I enjoy it, but her expertise is like yeah, like she's not a PhD, but she I think she might be a master's textile. I, I yeah, do have she, a PhD. She's yeah. So if you say, look, we need something that has this durability factor, it has this, uh, you know, ability to be printed, it has this noise fact. I'm saying factors. You guys have measurements that you you think of. That person, if you don't know it, yeah, you you uh, probably already know it because of your exposure to all this. But this person is like even. Yeah. Well, we were having. I mean, we had a problem with a textile last year, and we're like. We don't understand why textile A is not acting like textile B. They have the same face yarn. They're similar constructions. They're different. She was able to take it from that perspective. And, you know, well, because of how it's knit, because of, you know, the openness or the closeness of the knit and the face yarn, even though they're the same, this could be happening to this. What we need to do is this. She'll put it under the microscope and let us look. Yeah, <laughs> and try to talk a knucklehead through me, you know, through something like that. Yeah, yeah. it's like, do you see this? Do you see that? And I'm like, nope, but I believe you. Yeah, <laughs> but, <laughs> but you that's think is- to the extent, like, you know, she's looking at like individual, was it yarns? Yarn, yeah. yeah. She's like, no, but if they do it this way or twice that way, then yeah. you might get a different result. Yeah. So she is literally. Like wow. textile engineer is the right word. Yeah. She is engineering these products to try to meet our <laughs> needs. And then she'll go to the manufacturer and be like, "Okay, we need, you know, what what do you have available in in this denier yarn? You know, can you get, you know, can you take this? I'll just say seventy denier face yarn. Do you have access to a different denier that we can use uh, as a face yarn and 
then they got to look at, okay, yeah, we can do that. It works with our machinery. We might have to do A, B, and C to make it work right, to make it look right. And then we go knit some up, print it, test it. And we do, you know, I think we did on that one textile, we did, God, I want to say there were six or six different variations we tested. Really? We First, we lab tested it again to see which one performed the best. We picked two out of those two that performed the best in the lab and then field tested them. So it's just. Which, which of these, the, these companies you go to for that, they don't do this for free probably. Mm, no. I mean, the <laughs> testing, the testing, there's no, I mean, we have some, we have some access to testing at Gore, but we, they're, they're so busy testing. You know, that would be the freest in the, no, we, we pay for it somehow. Right. And my point being, but, this is a big investment you yeah. guys are making just to even get to oh. that point of saying, all right, give us 10 samples. Yeah. So each sample is 50 yard, like a single roll of about 50 yards. So they've got to knit that up. You know, there may, you know, I'm not sure how it gets billed to us. Some of that may be, some of the knitting may be free because we're, we're working out a problem. Right. Um, Printing's not, the paper's not, the testing's not, yeah. the time and energy, the manufacturing, the you know the time we spend getting testers involved and recording data, sending it back. You know this, and some some of it's an investment on the, in this case, say the mill, because you know Sitka is growing and we're getting right. we're getting to the point that you know they hope that if they work with us and we can develop textile A. That we're going to run X number of thousands of meters of it, and it, you know, that helps yeah. them, right? It, it yeah. does help them, and and I think they've, I hope, anyways. It seems that we've got a good enough reputation that we don't just let them work and spin and churn with kind of no end result. Like it's like, okay, well, we might start with six. We'll probably get it down to one or two, and the reality is, we'll probably end up picking one and then running it with you. Yeah. And so we, you know, we have good relationships with these folks. Um, of course, I'm sure eight years ago when Sika started, I mean, no, no, you know, no startup has that ability. <laughs> yeah. or, you don't or, walk or in pull. and say, no, you don't, you don't walk into a textile <laughs> mill in Asia and tell them what you want. It just doesn't work that way. Yeah, right. It doesn't work that way. And that was, I mean, some of the benefits of being a Gore, you know, Gore certified is their network of factories overseas is just yeah impressive. And yeah. we get, we, you know, being Gore certified where we get access to that, but they don't, they also make other things other than Gore products for us. So we benefit because we're in a Gore facility. They're an awesome, awesome factory. And they also make some of our in, insulated products or our uh, base layer products or, you know, so we get that, that's definitely an advantage to being a Gore certified supplier. Yeah. You know, we get good, you know, we we're, we're working with some of the best factories in the world. You know, again, we develop a ton of product, all of it which we pay for it somewhere. You know, yeah. time, energy, things that don't go to market. You know, are costly. Yeah. But well, Eric's going to end up, you know, doing three trips to Asia this year. Which is that the most you've made? So Usually far? three is three is the most. I yeah. haven't. You know, there's, thankfully we have great factories. Usually a lot of the extra trips to Asia usually for problems. Um, so between Asia, El Salvador, you know, three to five trips to different countries this year. Yeah. So the stuff that June 1st, 2016 products are going to be on the shelf. 
were people wearing that? How many people were wearing that out in the field last hunting season or this spring? <laughs> a I, lot? I, I, um, yeah. So, I, I, I can't, I don't know if I can give you a number okay. off the top of my I'm, head, but yeah, okay. we'll just, let's say 12 to 18 folks were running around in it. I'll, I'll speak for myself. So I was running around in uh, the new mountain pant and the new mountain jacket. I had the new mountain glove and then some stuff that's not coming out for a couple <laughs> more years. But, um, and so I hunted in it all last year from August to the end of November, I think we hunted. Yeah. And then I was back in it in January down in Arizona this year. Um, Who's went, to, went uh, uh Mule deer. Mule deer. And then I was just down in New Zealand kind of hunting in it. So I, I got the wrong job. But, but, but here's the funny part. Now, I got to thinking about this the other day. Um, so that was that obviously those were prototypes that mm -hmm. wasn't production. And so, you know, it's, it's probably 95% there, but maybe not. And there might be some odd things that, you know, a weird zipper or something. Um, but now that we've kind of vetted it and it's in production, like the reality is Eric and I are probably not going to wear that mountain pack and jacket again, <laughs> because we're wearing the prototypes for the next year or two. Right. And so, I guess what I'm trying to say is we never end up really wearing the finished product yeah. because we're always on to the next thing. Right. And we're always on to the next thing and the next thing. And, and somebody comes and says, oh, hey, I didn't know the mountain pan had like that zipper. And I said, oh, it doesn't. Like, and I have to look because we draw and we write inside. It's like, oh, this was like the second proto. Yeah. But it's when I'm running around it because the textile is exactly the way we want or the fits exactly the way we want, you know? Yeah. And by the time it rolls out in production, it's like, well, I don't need to pull something off the production line because I'm already on the 17 yeah. or 18 or 19 or. Yeah. So, so the sales guy or the customer service guy comes down and says, Hey, you know, we got this question on, on this product and you're like, your, your mind is like, when was that? That, that I was, I was doing that two years ago. What are you talking about? Yeah. yeah. So we always, you guys keep, that far we always out. keep one of everything that's, full production and have to go reference that because sometimes i mean we have it's not that we don't necessarily remember but there's oh, so this. many details mm -hmm. that that run through our minds at any given time right. that yeah if the customer comes and asks a really specific detail we might not know that i yeah. we would have to go look yeah because you guys while sales and marketing is on the 16 product you guys are two years we're already, ahead. On, you're, you're we're on, already on 18 yeah. And I've and I've I've actually started a few things for nineteen. So, is there? We'll 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 wrap this up here pretty soon. But I'm sure the audience is thinking, "Come on, Randy, give us a little peek behind the cup of the curtain here." And I don't know that I can because I promise these guys I didn't want to endanger their jobs or anything by asking them <laughs> questions. Uh, but I will ask, and you can say no. I can't talk about that. You you have that liberty, but. Anything that the the listeners going to be interested to see when it when it comes out in this in this sixteen line or anything you can oh, 16. talk about beyond that. I've, see that that's a pro, that's a problem. Like I'm thinking sixteen, but everything in my mind is seventeen. Okay, like all the stuff that we're developing. Like okay. I'll, I'll, so I will okay. just I will just say that if you have as far as big game, I'll just speak for my own category. That okay, if you like what we've done so far and you've been a fan, hang on to your hat for the future. <laughs> for 16 or 17? 17, 17 and beyond. So we got great products in 16. We have a mountain jacket that now pairs with the ever-popular mountain pant. Mm. And it's a taped, taped 
windstopper jacket. And so people say, well, what does that mean? And, and Eric can probably describe it uh, from a technical standpoint, but when you tape the seams on a jacket that's made of windstopper, I use the analogy that it's like chinking the logs of a cabin. Okay. And so yeah. if there's any little yeah. crease that wind can get through, you've now it's taped done. that. So it's a more refined Yeah, it's, and it's, it's a lot cleaner looking inside, and that's not the only reason to do it. You know, the less chafing if you're wearing short sleeves. Mm-hmm. But also, it, windstopper is just what it says. It stops the wind. Right. It does provide some waterproof, water protection, yeah. and the, taping those seams just increases that. So you're not, you're not starting to feel water penetrating at your seams and your shoulders or your armholes first yeah so now the whole you know if if you're if it does start to let water through it'll be in you know key areas where maybe there's pressure or backpack straps or, and, but it's not coming right through the seams and you can feel it come through the seams pretty quickly if if but, if it's raining pretty hard yeah. and, so you're saying my jet stream jacket that is the other part of my uniform so the jet stream jet, seams are not yeah so the taped. so the Jetstream, because of the backer on that, it's really difficult and very expensive to tape. Okay. We tape like our cloud, our cold front jacket. Mm-hmm. It's a Gore-Tex piece, needs to be right. taped, same backer. The Jetstream right now, you know, it's been in the line as long as I've been at the company. And don't get rid of it. No, it's not whatever you do, yeah. is not. You get, again, if you get rid of that, I'm going out and buying every one of them I can find. <laughs> well, and it, it's a, I look at it, the Jetstream is, you know, it's a warmer piece. It's probably, you know, it could, it could obviously be raining and be that cold, but you know, most of the time it's, you know, snowing or right. So it's not necessarily needed to be taped. Uh, these other pieces are more, they're lighter weight, um, maybe more early season where there's a lot more potential for rain. For rain rather than snow. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so the mountain pants got the new fit, got the new size got the mountain jacket to go with it so now we're building as you can see we're starting to build a system. system yeah we've got what we call the mountain windstopper glove now so that is a, a short gauntlet windstopper glove got a little bit of light insulation inside but then it's got this really badass petards oil tack leather palm and so mm. crazy tough goat skin and it's it's treated so it, it, it's got a really good grip. You, you would see it immediately. So it's really durable, but it's got a great grip. But the cool thing is um, if things are wet or icy, that grip almost gets better. Hmm. It's really, really durable. Um, wow. Really cool glove. Um, but we also have the new refined fit of the Timberline pant. Yeah. So we, we did the same thing, the Timberline pant, the new fit the new sizing, the odd sizes, all that. But now we have a Timberline jacket for the first time. Okay. And so the Timberline jacket kind of in 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 conjunction with the, the pant, it's a little more durable. So it's a taped windstopper jacket again. It's got a hood on it. The thing I like about the hood is the hood is more ergonomic. I like to say it's an athletic cut. So you, you use the the Jetstream jacket as an example. So right. when you pull the hood up on the Jetstream jacket and you move left or right, your head moves within the hood. Mm-hmm. And you kind of lose some peripheral. And you're, right. you're not out of the hunt, but you're not as engaged. Mm-hmm. And so with the Timberline jacket, it's, it's, the most, it's, it's the highest end windstopper jacket we've ever made. And it's got this refined hood that when you pull it up, it's more low profile that you keep your peripheral vision. You can look up, and if you move your head, the hood moves with your head. 
And so you can kind of really stay more fully engaged in the hunt. The arms and shoulders have a a durable face fabric applied on the outside, which the the mountain jacket doesn't for that added durability to kind of pair with the knees and the seat of the Timberline pan. And then in the arms and the chest, there's a lightweight uh, LMC fleece. LMC. So, so not as not as uh, not as warm as the Jetstream, where the Jetstream has that fleece all on the right. inside. Um, this is just in the chest and the arms. So this is uh, a more refined jacket. It's going to be more packable, lighter weight, um, give that little bit better wind protection because of the tape seams. So if you're a backpack hunter, if you're mm-hmm. going you know off the grid for a couple days and, and and weight is of the essence, you're in that dynamic weather. Um, that that mid-season to late season, that would be the jacket. That would definitely be the jacket. Huh. I think yeah, I think he might be selling you on a different jacket choice. Uh, it for... might be, and, and the reason <laughs> yeah. being that I love the windstopper is our normal day is leave the truck way before the sun comes up, and we hike for an hour or two to get to a glassing location. When I get up there, I want the fastest evaporation rate mm-hmm. I can possibly get. Yeah, which windstopper is great with that. Right. And then usually as quick as the sun starts coming up and the temperatures start changing, the wind starts chucking. And I don't want to be a frozen popsicle yep. up there. And the jet stream is the best thing I've found for that. I, I, so yeah, I'll, it's I'll, a great piece. I'll be interested to see yeah, how you this should, new Timberline. Yeah, you should. I, I, and the, the jet stream is still a fantastic piece. I mean, yeah, it's still it's, one of my favorite pieces. It's one of the, you know, one of the more popular pieces in, in, in the big game line for sure. Um, but this, this Timberline jacket's pretty doggone nice. Huh. And so then there's a, so kind of to pair with that late season, mid to late season offering, there's a, a new glove called the cold front glove. So the cold front glove is a short gauntlet glove as well. It's a Gore-Tex shell. So it's a camouflage Gore-Tex shell. It's got some Primaloft. 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 Yep. So a light Primaloft insulation to add that warmth. But again, it's got that badass oil tack leather palm um, to really give you that grip in those wet, icy conditions. Yeah. How, do, how do I get a pair of those? <laughs> you got to know, know somebody at Sitka. Oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm screwed. <laughs> oh, gosh. And we actually, the lining of that glove, we, some of our waterfall gloves, we've, been, we've got a, a woven lining. It's bonded to the in, to the insulation, and that we do that because with, when your hands are wet, you try to get into a fleece lined glove, and right. so or when you pull it out, or when, when you pull wet. it out. So our right. waterfall, a lot of our waterfall, or some of our new waterfall gloves have a woven liner. It's not, it's soft, it's not brushed, so it's it's maybe not what you're used to inside a glove when your hands are wet. Either way. You can slide it in and out. Totally so, functional. So we've used use. some of that, some of mm-hmm. that learning on this glove, and it's on the back hand bonded to the, the top, the back of the hand insulation. So you still have a little bit of, the the palm side's re- relatively thin, and there's a heavyweight fleece there. Mm-hmm. So you can get your hand in, and then that backer is woven, and it's, even it's got a DWR finish on it. So when you're sliding your hand in, it's not going to absorb water, absorb water, get wet. And it's just, it's really nice for getting your hand in and out when it's but when we the didn't weather start cold. there. We didn't start there. We didn't start there, but yeah. two guys came back from a week-long uh, elk hunt that they had packed in on, and it was wet, and they came back and said, eh, I think you guys are being a little too smart with yourselves. 
that this glove with this fleece inside is not as good as it could be. Yeah. So we kind of, you know, so this is the right. internal guts of the glove, so to speak. Right. And it's like, yeah, all right, well, we need to look at that then and figure that out. So what do we do? Like we went through, a, it's funny, pretty, pretty comical, some of the stuff we do. But um, so we had a bunch of essentially samples made up, right, of these different liners, what the glove would be like inside. And just, then we just put our hand in a bucket of water and stick it in and out of the glove and see which one was better and which one absorbed less water and which one was easier to get in and out of. And, and you know, I mean, because yeah. in theory one would work over the other, but, yeah, you know, we, who knows? We did, yeah, we used a bunch of different textiles. This one, you know, it wouldn't if you look at it you'd you'd be like there's no way i'd ever want that inside my glove it's not brushed it's not warm it's not mm-hmm. fuzzy but when your hand is in there you don't even notice that it's a woven textile um it feels just as nice it may be a hair cooler than the normal brush textile but uh, you know after after being able to get your hand in and out you you're going to it's really um it's a it's a great you know thing we came up with to make it easy to do that and not really affect how your hand feels in the glove so that much thought in engineering goes into a glove the inside inside of the inside glove, of the glove. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, and, and so just because i got my sales hat on i'll just i'll wrap up a few more things so we have these drifter duffel bags this year that are pretty cool they come in four different sizes tell me what so they're they're highly water resistant we're not calling them waterproof because they're they're not technically waterproof but highly Mm -hmm. water resistant and they're what 45 liter 45 75 45 75 no 45 70 95 and 120 uh those are liters right and so Mm -hmm. we've got some great luggage pieces but the reality of those luggage pieces is you load them up you you can take them through the airport or check them on a plane. And then if you get to the trailhead or you get to to the flow plane base, you're leaving them behind. And so the drifter duffels, you can basically take from your pickup through the airport and into the field with you. So you're saying when I was up in Alaska, black bear hunting in Southeast Alaska a a couple of weeks ago, it would have been a great thing. So I had one down in New Zealand, you know, loaded it in Hilo. We flew up into the mountains, tar hunting, and, uh, you know, had it in the vestibule of my tent with some stuff in there, had it outside when I needed a little more room. And they're just fantastic. You know, they're durable. They look good. Um, you know, they have a size to, to kind of meet, you know, meet your needs. So throw it in a pannier, throw it in the back of a Piper Cub, throw it in the bottom of a boat, ATV, whatever. Um, hmm. And then just because I, I probably have to represent Sitka, not just Sitka Big Game. Um, <laughs> Eric's over here uh, laughing, pointing. Right? Because uh, uh, two of my counterparts are going to give me a hard time if I only talk about Big Game. But um, I'm the one that's here and they're not. Um, <laughs> but uh, but we have the new timber pattern in Waterfowl, yep. which is it was just pretty badass. So that's a Timber camo pattern? Yeah, it's called, okay. it's called Timber. Timber. And it's... For flooded timber, flooded, yeah. flooded timber is kind of the intent, but uh, hmm. looks really good. So you're saying that if I go and visit my brother-in-law in Searcy, Arkansas, oh, yep, you need and to bring he him takes some me, he takes me, takes me out in his boat, and we stand in the flooded timber. I'm guaranteed as bad of a shot as I can be, I'll still be guaranteed to get my limit. <laughs> um jim would probably guarantee that yeah but I yeah <laughs> but but so and, and I, I will i will definitely give a plug to waterfowl because i think this is super cool though and and people can find these um 
I think there's a video online on our on our website, but you know, how do you design a camouflage pattern for flooded timber? Yeah. So, I mean, okay, you can make it you could do the mimicry thing and make it look like your surroundings, but at the end of the day does that really work mm-hmm. with ducks? And so, we have you know, a company that does kind of the science-based approach to our patterns. Right. But, you know, just like we did with whitetail, the deer's on the ground looking up at the hunter in the tree. They actually flew drones over flooded timber with people in different patterns as they did this development process, looking down, and I, they yeah. figured out that the, the degree, angle, the, yeah, the degree or the angle that these birds come in and drop down through this flooded timber, and they would take the drone and they would drop the drone down with cameras to get the bird's eye view, true and then apply this yeah. the true bird's eye view, and then apply the science to see what what really did break up the human outline. Huh. And uh, you know that's the extent that it's fun. Right. It's fun stuff, it, right? It, yeah. But it but it is a process. There's no doubt about that. The other the other product for speaking of waterfowl is the layout series we got coming out, which is if you're a waterfowl goose hunter, layout blind hunter, yep. it is. There's the, nothing ever been made like yeah, this. Yeah, you got to check it out. It's pretty. It's when when will all of our waterfall fanatics be able to? See uh, it? July. I think yeah, it's July. I think it's July. I think a lot of those products will drop in July. So when I'm laying in a sugar beet field over in Forsyth, Montana, in January, mm-hmm. that's what you. That's what you want. You're you're saying that I won't be laying there with my teeth chattering so loud that I probably scared away everything. <laughs> no, it's it's. That that's what you, it's the piece or, you or, want. It's a it's a bib in a jacket. They, the bib has some. Um, we've got the, we call it ground shield technology. So there's added um, insulation in your backside uh-huh. and a little bit of protection. So it's a it's a foam, mm-hmm. aerogel foam that helps one conductive heat loss, but also provides a little bit of cushioning. So if your layout blind doesn't have a pad or it's a thin pad, yeah. this will help. Can, uh, uh, the the times when I go and do layout blinds, that movie, The Christmas Story, and the little kid <laughs> is all bundled up. I can't put my arms down. That's how I, that's, I mean, I don't get cold easily. Yeah, but, but then you can't shoot. I know, that's it. I, yeah. I, I can't sit up. The, take them. And <laughs> you sit up and it's like, uh, you they're gone by the time you get right. all of your clothing out of right. the way to, to finally shoot. Yeah. Uh, I mean, on those really cold mornings. And, and those are the mornings you want to be there yeah. because those are the mornings the geese don't want to be in the air. They're coming they down. They want to get right. down. And right. so, huh, that's interesting. But, you know, just, just to give you, this is another great example of this layout series. So, you know, if you were to, if you were to be down in the dungeon <laughs> when we were kind of developing the layout series, you'd have seen a bunch of layout blinds mm-hmm. laying in that small space we have down there because it, it, doesn't, it doesn't do you any good to design the product. To, to stand up or to walk or to, to drive to the to the field, right? It's intended right. to be worn in the layout line. And so, yep. you know, the neck, and Eric can probably speak more technically to this, but the neck on on the on the front of the jacket is is scooped out or oval because when you're in a layout line and you've got that little bit of padding in head uh, behind yeah. your head, your chin is farther forward and a traditional right. collar doesn't necessarily work. Yeah, very it chokes well. you. It, and so you had to keep like <laughs> tweaking it and laying down the blind and tweaking it and laying down the blind and getting a proto and laying down in the blind because it's intended to be worn laying down in the blind right. and shooting. Yeah. And uh, so we've been trying to get a tree, like a no kidding <laughs> giant tree trunk um, brought into the dungeon 
and and you know i don't know weld it into place or whatever yeah. we got to do so that we can hang a tree stand so that we don't have to keep going out into the field and driving somewhere to a tree stand to, to do the whitetail products because uh -huh. the whitetail products are designed to be worn sitting or standing in a tree stand right and so we're like hey we need a tree with a tree stand in the dungeon so that we can keep working on these whitetail products you know luckily for me the big game stuff we have to get out and hike and and yeah. uh and, and hunt a little more but you know purpose built um is is a yeah. is more than a buzzword where we work for sure um <laughs> but i i think we should probably not talk about products for 16 anymore because i guarantee you i'm going to slip and start talking yeah, I know. about future stuff <laughs> exactly well that that, that gets me to a, a, a point <clears throat> you know i I'm going out with one of your athletes this year. It's going to be on my TV show. And I'm sitting here thinking, all right, I signed this NDA. And me and this guy are going to be out there elk hunting. How am I not going to – how are people not going to see this stuff? I think the stuff you're sending him with is 17 stuff. I think uh, you're going to have it too. You are. I've ordered you some stuff. I don't know that's if you know why, that. That's Happy what, birthday. Oh, that's why you asked for my sizes. That's why I asked for your sizes. Oh, I thought you were just curious about how does a guy this fat get up the mountain. But, <laughs> okay. Well, I guess I'm... So, on that hunt then, because when I, I sign all this, uh, you know, I won't do this, I won't do that, I won't tell my wife about this, <laughs> and then the secretary can't know that. I'm Now I'm thinking if we do shoot something... I won't be able to tell anyone. I won't. I won't be able to post no pictures on my website. On not the, immediately. You you better talk to David about that. David being the the, the marketing guy. Yeah. Hmm. Well, <laughs> let's face it. The odds of me shooting something are pretty slim. So <laughs> I guess we don't got to worry about that. But so. but um. But no. You know if 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 somebody uh if somebody's good at tailing, um and they and and they tailed you down to New Mexico, yeah, they would they would see some stuff. I mean, okay, you know. So now when someone sees me in the field in New Mexico and I'm wearing something different, what am I going to tell them? Top secret? Can't tell you? We'll have to kill just, you if just we say, tell you? Just say we can't talk about it. Okay. And if they take a picture, run. <laughs> <laughs> grab their grab the card out of their camera. Yeah. Oh, I doubt that. The only reason I say that is it's amazing how many... I drive this Nissan Titan. And uh, so many times people recognize the truck oh. and we'll come back to the trailhead and i'll see you guys sitting there and i'll tell the crew i'm like i bet you these guys recognize the truck and it happens a lot and that's that's the fun part about doing what i do is people want to tell their hunting story and oh man we saw this big bull today and we had it i i love doing that part of it but i i'm sure when we're down in new mexico for that elk hunt the Oh yeah, we'll, we'll I mean, we're, we're not people, we're not so. going to talk about anything officially. But if people end up having to see something and want to start blogging about it, you know what? That that's, that's all good chatter. Yeah, that's that's that all kind good of chatter. Builds we love, we builds love a little bit of uh, we love the excitement. Yeah, builds a little bit of mystique to it or whatever yeah. or, or enthusiasm. Yeah, or we gotta whatever, have fun so. with it. You know. Well, I, if I don't kill an elk, I guess I'm just going to come back to the dungeon and look you guys up and say, this clothing is, you got to start over. I didn't fill my tag. <laughs> I'm right? pretty sure the guy you're going with is going to kill one. So, uh, <laughs> I yeah. hope so. I talked to him yesterday, and uh, this is really cool. I found out that the road is gated oh. where, where it never used to be. 
I huh. called the friend down there. He's like, oh, you better know the road is gated. So we're looking for a bunch of those big fat tire mountain bikes because now it adds like six miles to get to where I want to go. Come talk to me. Mm. Oh, really? You know, you know, I got, I got a bat. We, Eric, <laughs> we got a badass one down in the dungeon. Really? Made up just for this. No yeah, way. Be perfect. Yeah. Because, I mean, in, in my normal elk hunting thing, it's where do other people not want to go because it's ugly and blow down or steep or just the distance. Yeah. And when I heard this road is now gated, I'm like, oh, 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 oh this is where we're going. And uh, so I was talking to him. I'm like, how do you feel about hiking an extra six miles each way? He's like, well, I guess that's what we got to do. I'm like, well, I'm not that excited about it. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, so we concluded that if we could find some of these big fat tire mountain bikes. I'm surprised he doesn't own one. Well, he he has a trailer he was talking about, and I have one of these trailers too, but... We, if if there's any people listening who have connections to one of those companies that make these big fat mountain bike, fat tired mountain bikes, uh, the email address is randy at randynewberg dot com. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you need to come see us again. We'll we'll show you. We'll show you. Yeah, it, oh, it's cool. um, it'll be, be perfect for. Yeah, I, I think the terminology nowadays is it's dope. <laughs> dope. Yeah. Really? I've. Yeah. It's not, it's uh, not a term I use, but I know, probably, I, I, probably some of the people listening will go, wow, that's really cool. It's dope. <laughs> no, it's really, it's really cool. Dope. It's really cool. It's trick. It's tricked out. Okay. Yeah. So do, there's going to be me and him and two camera guys. You got four of them? No, I only got one. We got one, but we, it's um, a place to start. Yeah. Okay. Boy, that'd be, we, we'd look start. like Butch and Sundance if there's four of us on that one bicycle. Either that or... <laughs> we're going to be doing paper, scissors, rock to see who gets to walk and who gets to ride the bike. We, we were actually down in um, in Arizona in January, me and uh, Adam Foss, mm-hmm. one of our athletes, and doing this mule deer hunt. And we were hunting with Greg Krogh, mm-hmm. another athlete. Yeah. So he's just showing us around, you know, and guy's unbelievable. That's a whole other podcast. Right. But, um, but he had gotten his hands on one of these felt mountain bikes that has the little Bosch motor assist yeah yeah and so you you have to pedal it it's not like you don't ride it like a motorcycle Mm -hmm. but uh but you know so adam and i were were we hiked in six miles i guess spent a week and uh greg because he was he was just kind of showing us around he had other obligations he would he came and went a couple times over the course of that week and uh so what took us whatever six miles and you know hour and a half or whatever to hike he was traveling back and forth in 15 minutes at a time. And, uh, I mean, you want to talk about, you know, energy savings and mm-hmm. time. it was, it was, so that was the first time I'd actually got to see one of these. And this was not an area that was restricted by, you know, any right. kind of motorized thing or anything. Yep. But, and I'm telling you, it was cool. Cause you just pedal like you're on a Sunday stroll and you're going like 15 miles an hour or something it's just crazy and it's got you know you have to charge it after i think it goes 50 miles and yeah but uh really an awesome tool i think for the right application huh yeah well i couldn't believe we drew the tags quite honestly i'm like i i told it it's it's Corey jacobson Corey, like you know we did montana last year and people are going to see the montana elk hunt this season on Mm -hmm. tv with me and Corey. And uh, I said, well, there's this one spot in New Mexico I know about. Um, we should apply. And so we got to looking at the odds. We're like, well, 
this is a donation to the cause. <laughs> and then when we drew, I'm like, whoa, this is, I, I didn't expect that. So, But you don't play the point game in New Mexico. No, so theoretically, no everybody has same chance. Know, the same chance. Yeah, what is it, 6% of the time? Everybody has a 6% chance, yeah. whatever it is. It goes to the self-guided non-residents. So I told Corey, well, we better put this unit on our application because let's make that our third choice because at least there the odds are like 10%. And we drew our first choice. So he <clears throat> he's lucky. I, I told him, I said, Corey, I got to play with you more often. I can see he that. He is lucky, That's, isn't he? He's yeah. drawn some Arizona tags that way. Yeah. yeah. And and when I told him how lucky he is, he just almost dropped the phone laughing. He's like pot, meat, kettle. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what'd you say about uh, Utah this year? <laughs> yeah, so, but, but we better check our phones yeah. for the Nevada results. Yeah. So that's that'll be fun to go do that. I I didn't know if you guys were gonna have me out there in just solid patterns or, but now it's nice to know I get some of this seventeen. I mean, we could treat you like riffraff if you want to, but (laughs) I'm accustomed to that. We 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 wanted to you know wanted to show our appreciation. Well, I I appreciate (laughs) that, John. I the marketing side over there. I I don't know. takes a lot of work to get through the firewall over there at your mar- marketing <laughs> department. I think I'm going to, uh, when I come they over. Make, they, might, they might make you sign another NDA. Yeah, probably. <laughs> They'll probably make me sign a document that, Newberg, you're finally going to shoot something on one of these episodes. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, I, I I don't know if I should even tell the audience this, but, yeah, I'm going, what the hell, they're going to see it on TV. But I'm... I missed. I, I had such a slam dunk shot on my last hunt, and I missed. I'm right-handed. I could make that shot 100 out of 100 times left-handed offhand <laughs> if I had it all over again. So I, I, I'm worried that when all of my sponsors see that poor performance out there on my part, they're going to dump me. They're going to be like, we got a knucklehead <laughs> like this using our product? Oh, gosh, I'm just, I'm still embarrassed about it. It's like... So maybe that's why your marketing department is, that puts the we're busy sign up when Andy comes walking by. <laughs> I'll just go over in the dungeon from now on. But. You're always welcome down there. Well, I appreciate that. If nothing else, I'm good at sweeping floors and uh, washing people's cars and taking their dogs for a walk or whatever. So, but well, we're uh, we're pushing close to two hours here guys and oh, wow. I, I feel like we could Holy talk geez, a lot that was I, uh, it's awesome i guess the i always let the the guests uh make sure that we've not left any important points uh out of the discussion so uh if there are any ad- additional things you guys want to make sure the audience uh, that we leave them with that or if there's any profound advice that you want to leave for the the listener uh now is your chance. Certainly not profound advice. But I, I just, I think this was, uh, thanks for calling us. I think this was a great idea. I don't think people fully understand sometimes what what goes into creating these products. And yeah. I mean, we're proud of them and we hope people are, you know, our consumers proud to wear them. But hopefully this little bit of insight just, uh, you know, makes them look at, at things, uh, either our product or others, just with a critical eye and go, man, I wonder, I wonder what went into this. Yeah. And, um, you know, you can certainly, they can certainly call and bug customer service and, 
and ask them. <laughs> I, I like how the product guys give the, the phone oh, yeah. number yeah. for customer service. <laughs> yeah, yeah, call the customer service guys. I'm, I'm uh, never at my desk. Don't call me at my <laughs> Exactly. <desk. laughs> no, I, I, I think this is great. It's, it, it, a lot of, nobody really knows unless you're in the industry what it takes to build a product. And I mean, you can, there's many different ways to do it. And I think the way Sitka chooses to do it, the way we choose to do it at Sitka is one of the, is top-notch and one of the best processes that you could go through to build a product for the end user yeah but and not just in the hunting industry we're talking in the technical outdoor space oh yeah we we feel we're doing it as good as anybody yeah yeah i and for the listener what got me thinking that this would be a cool podcast is i'm pretty what would you say i because of my platforms and and what I do, I get to see a pretty deep view of of a lot of this stuff. But when I went over to your lab laboratory there and saw all the lab rats you had uh, for your experiments, and then I I spent time in the field with some of your field testers, I'm like, you know what? As hard as it is for a podcast to really give some full context to what goes into this from idea to testing from testing to all right let's get some prototypes to all right we're good let's manufacture i just wanted uh, it it struck me i I was like holy (laughs) crap how does this company make any money (laughs) really i I mean in spite of ourselves yeah Yeah. and, and i say that because I started asking questions, mm-hmm. uh, you know, at, at each phase of the process to learn. And I'm like, that, that's <laughs> that's not the norm. That cannot be the norm. It's and, not the no. norm. And so I just wanted our audience to get a feel for that. So I, that's why I said, all right, I'm going to see if these guys are willing to to risk their jobs by coming and telling <laughs> the world some of the trade secrets here. So. But I really appreciate it, guys. Uh, thanks so much. It's been been a joy to to get to know you guys over the course of time and to talk about this before we even got on the podcast. We met. We met. What was it? Two weeks ago? Where? where yeah, we, I think so. Yeah. We rehearsed this and we kind of went through the what's trade secrets that would get somebody fired <laughs> and what's not. So, the I think we've done a good job of walking that line. Walking off, the line. Yeah. Of, I think so. I think well, so. Well, Eric and I will find out here soon. Yeah, now. exactly. Yeah, when, when I load this podcast up tonight and you guys come back to work on Monday and, and there's an email, come yeah. and see HR, yeah. you'll, you'll know that Newberg spilled the beans on you. So, but. No, we're good. We, we, we're, we're so passionate about it, which I hope comes through, right? Yeah. Um, not just about this, but hunting um, as well. But, yeah, it's, it's nice to be able to talk about it a little bit to an audience that I think would appreciate um, yeah. what, what we have to say. Oh, no doubt. I mean, I, I go out on our hunt talk forum and this is a little bit of a plug for, for one of my other platforms, go to hunttalk.com. And those guys out there, there's thousands of them hanging out there. They are serious about their gear. They're critical about, I need this app. I, I have a specific need for this application. And I think that's why so many of the questions on our podcast thread out on the forum have been about how products get made how and it's you know they have asked questions about the optic side where i use leupold mm-hmm. you know how, how 
how does this work? It's another fascinating topic. And so the fact that clothing is such a critical part of being comfortable in the field, comfort allowing you to hunt as hard as you want to hunt, it just seemed like the natural discussion to have for, for that audience. So, but, and then people get to see us using it on the TV show, which our show starts airing July 3rd. I think we're on Sunday nights this year and people say, well, at what time? And I get all messed up with time zones based on where they're asking the question from. So I just tell them, you know what, in Montana, it's nine o'clock on the sportsman's channel on (laughs) Sunday night. (laughs) Go from there. It's mountain time. Uh, so we, we're really appreciative of Sitka's commitment to the, to the hunting space, to, to conservation. Uh, our, all of our partners are big advocates and supporters of conservation. Sitka's right at the top of that leadership role and just makes a badass product. I, I don't know how else to say it. Uh, that'll work. Yeah, that does it. <laughs> okay. Thanks. So anyhow, folks, thanks for listening. Uh, Go to hunttalk.com and uh, join the conversation there. We're uh, really ramping up things on on our YouTube channel, Randy Newberg Hunter. And you're going to see some big surprises coming on that YouTube channel in the next two months. So I hope you'll go there and subscribe. It is free. Um, And uh, John, Eric, thanks so much, guys. I hope uh, when we turn on our phones after this, we're all dancing out in the parking lot because (laughs) we drew whatever tag it is we were dreaming of in Nevada. So (laughs) thanks for listening, folks. We sure appreciate it.